When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know her as a comedian. You know her as a talk show host. But a lot of you are as her third credit. There's lots more. Give her three. A playwright. (laughs) And I really, I say, I have nothing but admiration because I start to write something and the draw keeps opening and closing, waiting for me to put the stuff away. But Joy is very disciplined, and she deserves all those titles. When you say playwright, explain what that is all about. Well, first of all, that's not so true about you, because one of the things that I'm really good at is organizing groups, right? Right, right. That you know. I have my psychodrama group. I have my writing group that you're in. And every right. time we have a session of the writing group, you come up with great stuff, Joan. You, you have a book in you, and it's coming out little by little at a time. So, but the playwright thing, well, you, go ahead. What did you want to say? No, I want to hear. Tell me about playwriting and how it happened. Oh, well, you know, I have these conversations going on in my head. You could say that's mentally ill, but it's not. I'm thinking about conversations my mother had with my father, but my Aunt Rose had with her husband. But all sorts of conversations that go on in my head. So I was at some place years and years ago, somebody's house, my friend Angela. And I wrote a, a scene, and it was funny, and people liked it. And from there, I just kept doing it. So now I write full plays. I have five short ones called Bonkers in the Burrows. They're all comedies coming up in the New York Comedy Festival, November 3rd, 4th, and 5th, which I will plug again on your show when we get closer. You will. And that's, uh, that's happening. And then I have another, another play that I wrote, a one-and-a-half-hour play about uh, a girl, a woman, and uh, her, her journey. So... I'm writing. And you're doing that, but is writing plays very different from the other things that you write? Is it a different discipline? Oh, you mean as opposed to writing a short story yes, or, or an essay? Yes, right, or an essay. Yeah, but writing plays, it's, this, just structurally, you need, you need to be able to do structure. You need an arc in anything that you write. You know, it starts here, it goes to here, and then it's resolved there. So it's the same in writing in any form. Um, but playwriting, you need to have a good ear for dialogue, too. So it's, that's what you need there, too. That's okay. what makes it a little different, yeah. And what about comedy? You started out doing stand-up, right? Yes, the, I did. Many in the beginning. Yes, when I was almost 40, I started. And yeah. did you ever turn away from it in those beginning years? Well, it was very hard. The first time I got on stage, I did really well. Um, I played a character from the neighborhood, a woman who gives news in the Italian neighborhood. Right. Um, like, uh, I'll give you one of them for you. Like, um, former bodyguard Carmine Russo has become a faith healer. There isn't a cripple left in the neighborhood since Carmine has been pronouncing his miraculous words, walk or I'll break both your legs. <laughs> All right. That's one of them. That was a news item, right? That's right. politically incorrect now. The whole thing is P.I. I can't even do it anymore. Oh, yeah. It's, you know. 
but it's, it was comedy. It's comedy. You know, people need to lighten up a little bit. So I did that, and they killed on stage. It was 10 o'clock at the improv, full house, killed. The next time I got on stage, the same act died like Wait, a dog. Was it the same place or a different? Same place, same material, different hour. It was 1 o'clock in the morning. There were like four people in the audience, and the, the material didn't, doesn't work if you don't have a big enough audience, you know? And when so they, then I thought, what? Yeah, no, but when they're staring at you and you're up there and you're used to laughter and nothing happens. It's a nightmare. How, yeah, how do you get through <laughs> that? Do you well, just you push? To, you have to know how to, after a while, you develop a technique as a comedian. You know, it takes, you know, Malcolm Gladwell says that it takes 10,000 hours to be good at something, really, you know? So it That's takes years to be good at this. And, you know, it, 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 it's not an exact science. So you get up there and you have to learn to work the crowd. Where are you from? What do you do? So you have to have a natural talent and humor uh, in order to do the job also, because you will have those hard nights. Yeah. So that's what you do. You kind of work the house. And I can never imagine how you can stand there doing it. And if it's a bad house and no one is laughing and they're looking yeah. at you expectantly, you know, like, okay, make, make me laugh. Yeah, you've got to tough, right? You've got to really step over it and keep going. Well, today on my show on The View, we, uh, during the commercial break, we take questions from the audience. So somebody said, you know, what's this, some secret thing that you're trying to do that's very risky? And they were like, oh, I like to uh, scuba diving. I want to go skydiving. I want to do jump off a cliff. And I'm like, try getting up in front of three drunks at three in the morning and make them laugh. Try that. Forget about jumping off a cliff. <laughs> it's funny, it's but it's do. true. It's very hard. And what happens if you do it and they don't laugh at all? Well, what then you... you just have to, well, you try to pull yourself together and say, well, maybe it was the audience. <laughs> you have <laughs> to try to rationalize. It might well, have, have been. To, yeah, you have to test the material, too, to make sure that it's going to be funny. Uh, and then you have to have enough material. So this is my, my school of thought anyway. Everybody works differently. But, like, uh, let's say this particular material doesn't work about my Italian upgrade, upbringing when they used to take me to the cemetery and say it was a vacation. Let's say the audience doesn't laugh at that. Now I have to switch to when I was married, and this is what he did. So then it, you have to change it around. So you have to have enough stuff to jump around. That helps. And, and do they ultimately start to laugh if you keep on pushing through? Yeah, I think so. It's hard to do. It really is. I mean, look, I've had gone on stage following Rodney Dangerfield, following... Uh. Um, you know, the, the best comedians in the business. It's very, it's very difficult to do. And, you know, you know, you, you just pay, you have to go up after somebody who has just killed. It's hard, you know, but it, we do it because we love it in a way. Yeah, you do love it in your own way. And is it when you're doing talk show host, is that easiest of all yes. the skills? Yes, I think so. The hardest part of my job as a talk show person, because I have my sisters there picking up the slack. You know, it's not just me alone on stage. Right, I always say ladies. when you do stand-up, the, the ladies, when you're doing stand-up, you're naked and everybody else is dressed. That's how it feels. Mm. But in this situation, we're all naked up there, sort of, you know. Uh, and so people pick it up if I drop the ball, somebody else says something. So it, it, the, the onus is not completely on you. So that's easier to do. 
Is that your question? Was it easier? Yeah. yeah. Is, is it a lot easier to do? And the hard part, you know, during the summer, um, um, you were at my house, in fact. We were having dinner at my house, remember? And I asked the, pat, the, the assembled guests, what was the best part of your summer? Do you remember what you said? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, do I don't you, remember it either. No. I only remember what I said. <laughs> what What did you say? Um, what I said was that the easiest part of the summer and the best part of it was I could watch the news uh, as miserable as it is and not have to think of what I'm going to say on television about it. I just could have the same experience that everybody else has, which is watch the news and vote, you know? And so my job requires that I have a take on things, that I have an opinion. And then, of course, the opinion falls on people who don't like my opinion and they get mad, but that's part of the job too. Yeah, how do you deal with that? If people decide they're gonna take out whatever kind of angst they have on you or on one of the other women who are doing it, how do you ever adapt to that or get used to that? Uh, You don't ever get used to it. I mean, it's annoying. And then you look up their their, uh, profile and you see why they're angry with you because they completely disagree with me politically. And that's why they want to get mad at me. You say, and I accept that. Fine, I don't care. Let them say what they want. It's a free country. But you know what? You're anonymous and I'm not. So it's really not a, a field, a, an equal playing field, is it? Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Not at all. Yeah. Once you started writing plays, is it to a different kind of audience? It's one thing to get up there and do stand-up. Yeah. Or or be in a panel. The five plays that I wrote, these are all short 10-minute plays. It's going to be maybe a little longer than an hour show. Um, I will be in one of them. I decided I'll put myself in one just so that people, you, you know, who, who are interested in me can come and see me too. And then I have Susie Essman's going to be in the play, and, and um, Renee Taylor is going to be in one of them. And I have maybe Mario Cantone might do it. I have to call him. Um, and so we're, we're all going to have a lot of fun with that. It's different acting. Acting is different because you're not yourself up there. You're playing a character. So that's different from stand-up. Where do you? And if they don't like you, that means they don't like you. Not the material, not the character, you. And See? did it ever bother you that they might not like you or you develop a thick skin? I'm, I've got a pretty, I mean, it's been like 40 years now since I've been doing all this. So, you know. I, I kind of have a thick skin about it at this point. I know I don't dwell on it. It's fine. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Right. And a lot of things yeah. have changed since you started doing this. What do you yeah. find people really want to hear about or care about? Is it still political or they're happy yeah. just to schmooze with you? Well, in this um period of of history in the United States. I mean, there's a lot of crazy politics going on right now. I mean, I personally believe that democracy is is hanging in the balance. And if the wrong people get power, we're really going to get screwed. 
So I feel like it's important to talk about those things, and people seem to be interested. Mm -hmm. Our ratings are very high on The View. We're the number one talk Talk show. show. I think the only – on day and night, that is. I think the only uh, show that's beating that beat us is Colbert. That's not Kimmel and not Fallon and not all and not Goodmore. Not any him. of those shows. The View is number one. So you it's might him. ask, why is that? I think it's because we tell the truth. People know we're telling the truth. If we give out a fact that's incorrect, ABC News corrects us and we correct it on the air. That we're one of the shows that people watch to hear the truth. And they hear our opinions also, but they also hear facts. And is it fun for you to do, or do you feel a lot of pressure to come up with Every stuff? day is different, Joan. It's like any other day of the year, week, you know? Some days I like it, some days I don't like it. You know, it's like anything. I've been doing it for 26 years. I know, but it still sounds fresh, which is a tribute. Well, the reason it sounds fresh is because it's all from the top of my head. So yeah. I'm not working on it with a script here, and the same with my, my ladies. We're all just you know, shooting from the hip in a way. <laughs> and has the writer's strike really had an impact or you guys were always free? Well, we like having the writers. You know, we like them. They set up the intros. They give me a line maybe once in a while. I can't say that we can't function without them. We've been doing it. I miss them, though. I would like them back, and I wish they would solve this immediately. It's easier when they're around. But well, we're, we're doing it. With, but mostly we talk off the top, like I said, off the top. And so you don't really need a writer for that exactly. But we love having them. We want them back. And when you do a show like The View, are there rehearsals or you guys just get up there? No. No. In the morning, we get a list of uh, topics, like about 25 or 40 topics sometimes, what's going on that day. Some of them are political. Some of them are relationship. I mean, we we get them from everywhere. Um, Today, we did a topic about a guy who went uh, five states, uh, left his wife and kids to go five states away to help his mother, who was very not feeling well. And he never went back to his wife. Oh, you're kidding. He never went back. The wife he said, and they sm- want, well, he wants the wife to come to him. And she's like, no, I'm not. Um, so that was one topic. And then there was a topic about Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner. Right. Um, and, uh, and how they, they have little children, one-year-old and three-year-old, and the media is going after Sophie, because she's in London, uh, leaves the kids with him. He's on tour with the kids, and people are going after her for, for having a good time in London. So the question was whether that's sexist, to put it all on the mother. So these are the topics. So we get a bunch of these in the morning. And, of course, we talked about Pence, who seems to be turning on Trump a little bit. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, and Biden's numbers are going down, and we don't understand why, because he seems to have done a lot for the country. So we talked about that. And then we go to uh, we talk about it in the meeting. We go over the sort of who wants to do this, who wants to do that. And then we go out on the air and do it. We read some research. We always read research and then we do it. That's it. No rehearsal. And do you think people understand what it is about Biden that they're being turned off a little bit? Well, one of the problems is I think that, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Michelle Obama famously said, when they go low, we go high. Well, it's right. time for the Biden administration to go low. They need to. He, Biden won't even say Trump's name. He calls him the, the previous guy or something. Mm. You know, he needs to go after him and really tell the truth about his opponent, because uh, because Trump has no, no morals. He has no ethics. 
He's a criminal, basically, in my opinion, and a thug. And they're treating him with kid gloves over on the Democratic side. No, speak up. It's like it's like I was talking today about this. Biden said to Hillary when she was running Hillary Clinton, uh, don't bring up the Access Hollywood tape. People know what he said. That's not that's not correct. She should have gone after him about that to show how sexist and piggy that behavior was. But she didn't because they're trying to, you know, to be, you know, high a level. They're trying to keep a high level of conversation. It's not working. And also, she was a little afraid that they'd turn back on her and her situation. Well, that may be true, too. But I think that because she was a woman, she felt that she had to always maintain a certain decorum. Or they'll say she's a bitch, or they'll say she's a hellion, all sorts of things. It's harder for a woman in that position. But Joe Joe Biden, all they can say about him is that he's old. That's it. Because the guy has been doing a decent job. Inflation is down. You know, he's he's taking on the pharmaceutical industry and uh, cutting the cost of insulin. The other party won't do that for you. Yeah. Uh, the other party wants to take Medicare away from you and, and hurt you in Social Security. So people need to know this. And the only way they're going to know it is if his group tells it to the American people. I'm talking to Joy Behar, who's a talk <laughs> show host, a playwright, and kind of all a around comedian. And a what? <laughs> An all-around big mouth. Yeah, a big mouth. But she's also yeah. a cook. Makes a oh, lot yeah. of uh, makes a lot of delicious things. And you. What did have, I make for you last time? What was it? Oh, well, lasagna. My we, my usual. Yeah, but we like that. We had delicious lasagna with a tomato sauce on the side. Really yummy. And that olive bread, which you didn't oh. make, that was like the best olive bread I ever had. You know where I got that? On Broadway where? and 62nd Street. Bread. It's called Bread. The place called Bread. Oh, that was so good. Yeah, it's good. That's where you should go get that. It's so good. Yeah, I know. I they will. have great stuff. Now, you've got all these groups, psychodrama. Like, yeah. what is that? And what good is uh, psychodrama? that? Psychodrama? Yeah. Well, psychodrama is a, is a way to um, solve problems. I'm not a psychotherapist, so we don't go deep. You know, I mean, I'm not, we're not going to talk about your mother and blah, blah, blah. Right. Although mothers sometimes are brought in there. It's like a room where you can talk to other people and say what's bothering you and then act out a scene. So let's say you had a fight with your boss, right? right. And you feel intimidated and you feel upset. Let's see how that fight went. And then let's see the, uh, uh, how the scene would go if you, the way you wanted it to go. Or somebody will double for you, stand behind you, and tell your boss what you wanted to say. Something. So it's role playing. It's um. It's doubling. We call it doubling. It's role reversal. You sit in your boss's seat so you can see where he's coming from. It's fascinating stuff. And it and works. I, I, yeah, it does work. It does work. I mean, one of our friends did it, and then it, she. We corrected her relationship with her son-in-law in one session. It was beautiful to watch. No, and no one could believe it because they hadn't gotten along for like 10 years. Exactly. But she reversed with her son-in-law. She reversed roles with her daughter, and she came to a conclusion that she could behave in a different way. And it corrected the situation. It was brilliant. Yeah, she did. And it was was really amazing um, to watch it. So the plays that you're working on, what is your aspiration for that? You know what? I don't have high aspirations for for these plays because I know how difficult it is to get a play 
on Broadway, even off Broadway. But I would just like to see my plays done by an, or any kind of an audience. I think they would work out of town, not necessarily in New York. I think that my play Crisis in Queens, which is being directed by Elaine May, um, that play is funny and should be seen by audiences everywhere, in my opinion. I hope so. So, you know, we'll probably do it in New Jersey and upstate New York first, and we'll see where it goes. I don't know where it's going to go. Yeah, but it's, and I have been at a couple of those readings, and I think it's definitely a New York thing. Yeah, you know, well, it's a very New York People relate to play. it and get it. Yeah. And, and it the, basically takes place in Middle Village, Queens. So every, a lot of people can relate to that in, in New York, I think. It's a blue-collar family, Italian-American, a woman who's unhappy in her marriage and, and blames it on her husband. Well, who hasn't done that? Right. But it, <laughs> but it works. I mean, we blame it on someone. It right. doesn't. It doesn't really matter as long as we don't take the responsibility. Yeah, but she learns a lesson. And by the way, in that play, there is a psychodrama in that play. I don't want Do to give the whole thing away. No, don't. But did I miss that? No. No, you. You'll say it again. Believe me, we'll be. I'll be dragging you to all the readings, John. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> I'm a yeah. good person to be at a reading because you are. we're all desperate to laugh, and they're all funny. And they all hit home. You know, you've got you know, to be my, able to share this stuff. You know, my main my main objective right now is to to sort of bring people together. Even though I know that I'm very you know divisive in many ways, and people don't like me because they don't like my opinions and what have you. But I really have a desire. I want people to be. That's why I create these groups. I think that there's too much loneliness going on in the country. And people need to come together, if it's in the theater, and then laugh about stuff, too. You know, and do your, do your, go to church, go to temple where there are people. People need to get together with each other a lot. Dinner parties, we, you and I are big on that. We love our dinner yeah, parties. Yeah, but I don't think, do you feel lonely ever? You're surrounded no. by an army. No, I don't feel lonely. Loneliness is, you can feel lonely in the middle of New York City on New Year's Eve. Right. That's, inside, that's an inside job. I think, uh-huh. but there, but on the other hand, it can be corrected. You know, you're lonely, so then do something about it. Find people, get over your shyness, your introverted personality. Reach out a little bit. No, be it's curious. true. Be interested in the other person. It's true. I get a lot of phone calls, and what do you think they want? They, if it's a woman, she wants to meet a man, and I always say to them, "Then you've got to leave your apartment." You can't stay in your apartment <laughs> night and day and say, woe is me, I can't meet anyone. Of course you right. can't, unless you're standing at the elevator all day. <laughs> There's no way. Did and well, you, you know, yeah. did you ever I feel just, lonely in New York? No. No, I always had a big Italian. I feel no. I miss my big Italian family. They're all gone, except for one aunt. Yeah. Um, who's not well. And I really do miss it. I was watching, um, I was just watching Rocco and his brothers. Did you ever see that movie? It's a three hour Italian movie. And one of the scenes is the whole Italian family eating dinner and having fun. And I got very nostalgic for my family because my mother, father, my aunts and uncles, I was surrounded by a huge bunch of Italians and they're all gone. And I miss every one of them. At the time, I, I wanted to strangle half of them. But now that they're gone, it's like, where was my family? So, 
I create more family. My psychodrama group is a family. My writing group is a family. My playwriting group is a Everybody's a family now to me. Yeah, but it, that makes you happy, and it makes your daughter happy and your adorable grandson. Yes, yes. You know, we're a small family. I have one child. She has one child. Her husband is an only child. We're a very small family. So it's about friends now. You know, it's a lot about friends. Yeah, and surround yourself with family, too, and you include yes. a lot of people in a lot of things. And I do. It's, it's important. And you have yes. a husband who's willing to, to yes, he's whatever. good. He's great. He's a great guy. But just to conclude this conversation, because I have to go now, because people, I need, I got to go back to work for a, a meeting. <laughs> we have meetings in the afternoon. That's okay. Um, remember what Woody Allen said: ninety-nine percent of success is showing up. That's right. All right, maybe he's not the perfect person to be quoting at the moment. <laughs> but sometimes we wish he didn't show up, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, but I worked with Woody a couple of times, and you know. But anyway, um, he—that's he, uh, what he said. And I think that's true. Ninety-nine percent of success is showing up. So if you want to meet a guy, you got to show up to some place where a guy is, right? That's right. If you Play want, golf, you know. You got well, go down to Wall Street where the one the guys with money. If you want somebody with money, you know somebody wants to. I I basically do not like men with money. I don't like that. I know that was your mother made a mistake with that. <laughs> <laughs> I like to make my own money. I know. Yeah. Well, it's if yeah. you grew up where I did in the five <laughs> towns, it wasn't like that. No, it's, I can imagine. You know, it's um. Oh, and he's so successful. Yeah. No matter yeah. what. Uh, you know, people, well, a lot of yeah, people. That's kind of old school, though. Isn't it old school? Women want to make their own money now, I think. it's more. You have more control. You're more independent. I once said to my mother, Ma, if you could do it over, would you, mar would you rather be a doctor or a doctor's wife? Without missing a beat, she said a doctor's wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was right. But you never got the message, nor did I. I just always, I had a mom like yours who yeah. said, you can be anything you want. Go do yeah. it. Just do it. Yeah. You can do it. And I believed yeah. her. Anyway, my dear, <laughs> you'll come That's visit me again. I, love I will, anytime you, you want. Anytime you want, John, I'm there for you, baby. Okay, I know. And right. enjoy the day. We'll talk you soon. You too, honey. Okay. I'm Joan Hamburg. That's Joy Behar who's a talk show host, a playwright, a comedian, and she does it all, wears all those hats, has a good time, and shares with the rest of us. Stay tuned, everyone. There's a lot more ahead. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com.